church that we are. And somebody said amen. Amen. Well, somebody else say amen. All right. Okay. I like that other person better. I like that second one better. I would. I started to say I was going to give you something that would make Facebook explode tonight, but I don't want to. I don't want to cause any cardiac arrest. But I've come to resign tonight, and I'm serious. Just hang on for a minute before you make any conclusions, though. I want to read from the book of Second Corinthians, the first chapter. I don't know when this particular passage began to work on me, but it's been months and months ago that this particular portion of Scripture began to work on my mind and in my heart. And it has grown and grown and grown. And tonight I want to, I want to talk to you. I may uh, not raise my voice or I may shout to the high heavens. I don't know, but I do want to talk to you. And I don't, I want you to listen to what I'm going to say in preference to my subject tonight. Over the last few months, I have heard more than one, many people, many of our people, make a very similar statement about life. And that has burdened me because I have said it myself at times. And when I begin to consider this passage in, in the light of what people have said, it, it came alive to me. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 8, it said, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure. Listen to that. We were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raised the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Now I want to read this same portion from the message translation. And I don't, I don't use that translation very often because it is very loose. But in this particular portion and setting, it seems so accurate to put it in our terminology. Listen to what it says. We don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia province. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we had been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our strength, our wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. And he did it. He rescued us from certain doom 
and he'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. I want to talk to you from this subject tonight. What to do when life is killing you. I don't know how many times over the last few months I've had people say, Brother Hughes, this is killing me. This is killing me. And I want to talk to you about that a little while. What to do when life is killing you. You may be seated. We're not rookies here tonight. We're certainly not novices in life. We're all adults. At least most of us are. And we are aware that life can become very heavy at times. So heavy that you feel that you cannot bear up under it. You cannot take it any longer. I have said it. You've said it. I don't know if I can take any more of this. Or whatever it is that's happening, this is killing me. Life comes with its complexities and its problems. There is no simple life anymore. And we talk about the good old days and we talk about it in the reference that those days were simpler. Perhaps they were, but not anymore. Life is complicated and it is very complex. There are a lot of unplanned things that happen in our life. There are a lot of things that come to us unexpected. We did not anticipate. We were not looking for them. We were not even thinking in that vein. And boom, it happens. And now we have to deal with that unexpected turn of events or that unexpected trouble. Life often overwhelms us beyond what we feel is our ability to endure. And we think that We will never live through this. I've actually had people tell me before, Brother Hughes, I'm not going to make it. I feel like I'm dying. I feel like I'm dying. This is killing me. This is killing me. What do you do when life is killing you? When the burdens are greater than you can bear. And they are putting you, it seems like, in an early grave. Now, I don't know. Maybe none of you have ever felt like that. But there have been times that I felt like dying would be a whole lot easier than living. I remember the story, and I've told you before, about an elderly man. His grandson was getting ready to be deployed. And so he comes to visit his granddad, and they explain change pleasantries and they talk for a good while and then when the young man began to leave he broke down and he said granddad I I need you to pray for me he said son I would be glad to pray for you what do you want me to pray for you about he said I want you to pray for me that I will not be afraid to die because I'm going into an area of combat where the mortality rate is very high the old man Tears began to trickle down the side of his face as he laid in that bed, helpless from conditions that he had no control over. And he said, I tell you what, 
I'll pray for you that you won't have a fear to die if you will pray for me that I won't be afraid to live. Because sometimes dying is easier than living. It's less embarrassing. It's less humiliating. And all of us have said at some point in our life, this is killing me. So what do you do when things come into life unplanned, unexpected, unanticipated, unasked for, and they're greater than you can bear? You would think that Paul was writing our autobiography in this particular text. You would think that Paul was talking about us. That he was living in 2012 dealing with the things we're dealing with. But he wasn't. He was talking about his life. He was talking about his experience. When I thought about that this afternoon, I thought, you know, godly people sometimes find life hard. Godly people. Now, we know that wicked people, evil people, life ought to be hard for them. At least we expect that. But when we look around and we see good people suffering, it makes us wonder sometimes, is there any justice in this? Is it, does it really serve any purpose of me living for God, me denying? I, I had someone tell me the other day, a backslidden relative of theirs, that making all kind of money, hand over fist, living in, in an opulence that would blow almost all of our minds. A young man that grew up in the church and now is not living for God and this sister of his who is still trying to serve the Lord is barely getting by on, I'm talking about less than $500 a month. And the statement this young man made to his sister is, if faith works, look what it's done for you. Now, none of us really like to talk about that because that makes us all uncomfortable, but you know as well as I do, there have been times when we've stepped back from the picture and we've looked at this and said, what's wrong with this? There's something not right. I, Lord, I have never done this. I've never done that. I've never... I've tried to be faithful. I've walked with you. I've denied myself. And look at me and look out there at what they're doing. They seem to be going on fine. And here I am struggling to make it through. Good people sometimes have to live through hard times. Paul tells us how he came so close to death. So close to death. He wasn't ready to die. He didn't want to die. He didn't feel like his life work was finished and yet death was so near. He said the sentence of death was in us. The Greek indicates that it was a term used in the court of law when all of the evidence was in and all of the evidence proved the verdict to be true that you're going to die. But what made it worse was that when Paul began to look at himself and look at his situation, he began to agree with the verdict of the court. You're right. I'm not going to make it. 
Now, this is the Apostle Paul. This isn't some weak-minded saint that doesn't try to live for God, that only shows up on Sunday. We're not talking about somebody that just shows up every now. We're talking about the Apostle Paul. We're talking about a man who is responsible for the church in Asia being birthed and going out into the unknown world and bringing the gospel and turning the lives of people around for eternity. This is the Apostle Paul who is saying the verdict is in and all the evidence said I'm going to die. You know what? I think I am. The verdict of death is in him and he's feeling this utter helplessness. Anybody ever been at that point where you just, you just feel helpless? Doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter what you do. Nothing seems to change the situation or the circumstances. And in this low state of mind and spirit, he said, I even despaired of life. I agree with him. I'm going to die. This is killing me. This is killing me. He said, I was pressed out of measure. You ought to go read that one phrase in about five different translations and see how that, that phrase is translated, how, how large an area that phrase, he was burdened, he was overwhelmed, there was so much pressure on him that he felt like he was going to explode. And you know what? We don't even know what was going on that made Paul feel that way. He doesn't even name what was going on. There is not one mention of what it was that had pushed him to the brink that he felt like, I'm going to die. This is killing me. Now, we know there were a lot of things that happened to him in Asia. He was stoned in Asia. Not only that, but he was followed by malicious countrymen from town to town. He was harassed by his own people. There was an uproar in Ephesus. He was run out of town. He was let down in a basket at night so he could escape for his life. And then there was the constant danger of perils of just life. It was, it was a, you think we've got a bad day. He lived in a wicked time when there were certain areas you just didn't go into or you would be ambushed. And so he was in peril. He said in sea, by, by way of land, there were all kinds of dangers around him. But you know what? Maybe the greatest source of his anxiety appears, it appears, that there was something going on in his own physical body, something wrong. Something, a sickness, a disease, or something that was so grievous that it was killing him. And the whole thing, all of those problems and this problem with himself caused him a deep depression of mind. Now does that, does any of that sound familiar? I'm going to put it in our context. People are killing me. People are killing me. I mean, there's stupidity. There's blatant disregard to right or principle. They'll do you wrong. They'll stab you in the back and then they'll come and sit on the pew right beside you and smile and expect you to... People are killing me. Write stuff on Facebook about you that's a lie from the pit of hell. But you know what? Everybody believes it. I don't know what it is. There must be something magic about Facebook that when you read something, you just, oh, that's true. 
Nobody checks it out. Nobody says, you know what, I know him better than that. You know, that's amazing about, and I just use myself because I, I get shot at more than anybody else in this church usually. But you know what? You ought to know me better than that. You ought to know that I'm not that kind of person. But you know what amazes me is how many people chide in with that and say, you know what, I thought that all the time. People are killing me. Not only people are killing me, but pressures are killing me. I mean, it's not one thing, it's a thousand things that are pushing and pulling and yanking and tugging and it's this and that and another and this and financial and, and family and, and, and jobs and, 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 and just driving down the freeway is a problem anymore. I mean, you get run off the road, you get shot at. If nothing else, they just tell you how smart they are when they drive by you. Pressures are killing us. Problems are killing us. You know what, church? Listen to me. I'm not saying this in any kind of, 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 of disparaging way, but I don't know any family in our church that doesn't have some kind of problem that they're dealing with in their, in their family or on their job or in, in their marriage or some other place. I, I don't know of anybody. That doesn't mean we're a bunch of bad people. Paul's not a bad person. He was a man of men, but he went through some really hard, trying situations that pressed him so severely that he said, this is killing me. This, this, is, this is killing me. These problems are killing me. You know what? It would be great to have people just call you and give you a praise report. How many times does that happen, though? How many times does it happen that your kids call and say, I don't need any money today? Huh. <laughs> I don't need you to bail me out today. You know what? Most of the time, most people don't ever come to the pastor until it's almost beyond. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it, and it's true in your life. That we, we don't come until it's so complex and problems are killing us. Because it would be nice if it were just one little thing that we could focus on. But it's ten things. It's a dozen things. And you you got, you, you got all these fires burning. And what do you do? Where do you go first to put out? What's the first fire that you put out? So problems were killing him. And then perplexities. What is there about this that I understand? What is there about this that makes sense? What is there about this that's fair? What is there about this that I'm missing? It's like everybody else got the clue and the key, but I'm, I don't even have a clue or a key. And so, killing us. His tribulations abounded so that he began to agree with the verdict of life. This is killing me. So much was the burden that he expected to die. Life had gotten so heavy for Paul. Steadily his life ebbed away that he even, according to the text, prepared to die. Paul. Ooh, hallelujah. Paul. The apostle Paul prepared to die. Then something happened. Don't know what, 
He didn't say what it was. Maybe it was a pop like that. Something woke him up. Something resurrected. Something got his attention. He didn't die. He lived. God intervened. And it was out of all of this that when Paul began to recount that event that he shares with us what he learned during that time. What he discovered during this time literally pulled him back from the brink of death and he turned his back upon that and he held on to God. Isn't it good to know that we're not the only one that's been to the brink? Amen. So how did he make it? What, what, what did Paul do when life was killing him? What did Paul discover? What did he learn that made the difference? Listen to me. Number one, when life is killing you, go ahead and die. You heard, you heard me. When life is killing you, go ahead and die. Now listen to me. Don't die to life, but die to self. Because what happens somewhere in all of this spiritual transaction, Paul began to catch a glimpse of himself. And what he saw was, that Paul had become more dependent on Paul than upon God. Go back and read the text again. Listen to what he said. He said, something happened that changed my perspective and all of a sudden I realized I really did need to die. I need to die to self. I need to die to me. I need to die to trying to be God. And listen to me. None of us like to admit it, but all of us at times try to play God in life. We try to run the universe. We try to make things work out. We try to fix all that's wrong and right all that's not working. That's what Paul had been doing. He was trying to run the universe. And all of a sudden he realized, you know what? You need to die, Paul. You need to die to yourself so that you can be totally dependent on him. Listen to me. Listen to me. He realized that if he is the resurrection and the life, this can't kill me, but I still need to die. Because what he realized was that he was depending more on himself than he was on God. I wonder tonight how many of us in this building would be guilty if we were brought before the high court of God. If God were to pull back the curtain and say, okay, I'm going to show you where you're weak. I'm going to show you where you're lacking. And this is it. Why don't you let me be God and you just serve me and you trust me and everything will work a whole lot better. If you will just learn how to get back to that place where you put it in the hands of God. I remember years ago when 
I was going through some real serious trouble here in the church and I called my dear friend, Brother Harold, and I was telling him all about it. And he said, well, you know, Brother Hughes, sometimes you just have to go put it in the hands of God and leave it. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I meant just what I said. You just have to take it to the altar and say, God, here it is. I'm taking my hands off of it. I don't know what to do with it. I, I can't fix it. And you know what? I learned that he was right. Now, I think I live that way, but the truth is all of us are human. And all of us have a tendency to keep our hands all over everything that's going on in life. And what we need to do tonight is go ahead and die. When life is killing us, go ahead and die. Just die to self. Don't die to life. Don't die to living, but die to self. So that your reliance and my reliance is on Him and Him alone. No one else. Learn again how to rely completely upon Him. When I begin to think about this... that. Today, especially when I begin to really pray about this today, I got in here and I began to weep before God because I realized, you know what? This is where I am struggling right now. I'm trying to fix things and fix people that I can't fix and change things that I can't change. You know what, God? I want to step back. I want to resign as God. And I want you to take the throne. And I don't know how you're going to work it out. I don't know how you're going to fix it. But my faith and my confidence is in you. That you have got me through. And you're going to get me through whatever it is that I'm going through. Hallelujah. Number two. He changed his focus from his burdens to his blessings. And it happened like this. He remembered three things. He did. He is doing. He will do. Go read it. He said, you have saved us. You are saving us. And you will save us. Past, present, future. Paul begin to look back over his life. And when he looked back over his life, he remembered all the times that God had delivered him out of impossible things and places. And again and again, God had saved him. And he sees the hand of God working. You see what's wrong with us in our day is that we spend a lot of time on what's wrong with people and what's not right with the church when we really need to get our focus on what is right with God and the fact that He reigns and He rules. It is my conviction tonight that if we would sing more about the good news of Jesus Christ and less about the bad news of church and people, that we would find God doing more and being more in our midst than He ever has before because God has always been there in our past. He's always been there. But not only had He been there, God, Paul got to looking around even in his situation. He realized God's here. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not dead yet. I'm still alive. I may think I'm going to die. I may think it's the end, but I'm still here. And he became aware that God is still blessing me. Though he thought he was going to die, he didn't die. And then he realized that if he took care of me back then and he's taking care of me right now, he's going to take care of me then. Amen. 
He saved me and he is saving me. And that confidence is what got this man through his time of trouble. Amen. Listen to me. Is your relationship with God only a memory or is it a fact? It's a memory if all you can talk about is what was. It's a fact if you can talk about what is. Amen. I want that to sink into your mind right now. I want you to pound on your head and say, get in there. I don't ever want to. You see, a lot of people, that's all they do is live in the past and talk about the past and they rehearse what was. But that's not how I want to live. I don't want to live as if God is dead. I want to live that He is alive and He is here right now. And my life is not just a memory, but it is a fact. God is here. God is moving. God is working. God will provide. God will see me through. God is still God of all or He is not God at all. Amen. Number three, and I'm closing. What Paul discovered was that when our hands grow so weak and numb that we lose our grip of Him, He never loses His grip on us. Amen. He never loses. He holds me. It will take more than death or trouble to pry you loose from His grip. What a blessing to be in the grip of such power and grace. He said, Father, I want to thank you for those that you've given me and no one shall pluck them out of my hand. Nobody. Nobody can pull them away from the grip that I have upon them. Even when your hands become weak and you feel like life is killing you, God never lets go of His people. Never, 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 never. He has never failed you. Somebody say that with me. He has never failed me. He has never failed me. He has never failed me. Amen. Is he not overlooking today? All right. Will he who was and is not also always be? Amen. The great poet Wordsworth tells that, listen to me, his greatest inspirations had a way of coming to him in the night. I remember reading a lot of Wordsworth when I was in high school, but I forgot how much he had written. And so I went and Googled his name this afternoon, and I mean page after page after page after page of poetry. And they're really stories. They're, they're, they're prose. It's, 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 a, it's powerful if you read some of them. But this is what he said. Most of his greatest inspirations had a way of coming to him in the night. And so this is what he said. He had to teach himself how to write in the dark so that he would not lose what he had been given. Hey, folks, maybe we need to learn the art of writing in the dark. 
You know, the truth is our greatest spiritual discoveries do not come on a golden day when the sun is shining bright and when favor is flowing your way and blessings are all about. Our greatest discoveries come amidst trouble's dark night and life's cloudy days. We need to learn the art of writing in the dark. So you know what God sent me to tell somebody here tonight? You need to get your pen and paper out. God's about to give you the greatest song you've ever sang in your life. A song over death. A song over hopelessness. A song over impossibilities. God's going to give you something to sing about that will make heaven stand up and take notice. Some of our greatest songs are in the making right now. Right now. So this is what we need to remember. Your part, God's part. This is how simple it is. All right, you ready? Your part. Your part is to trust. His part is to keep. Your part is to trust. Your, his part is to do. That's as simple as it gets. And that's what Paul discovered. And I thought, God, help me tonight. If the Apostle Paul had this kind of spiritual epiphany, if he had this kind of spiritual awakening, how much more do you and I need to read those words and listen again at what he had to say in that wonderful text? Let me read it to you one more time. We don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia province. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, everybody say, as it turned out. You've got to hang around for the rest of the story. Anybody ever remember Paul Harvey? I've got a collection of his rest of the story. That was my favorite radio program of all time. I don't care what else was going on. When Paul Harvey came on, I wanted to hear the rest of the story because he always had something unique to tell you, things that people forget or overlook or don't consider. And then it's knowing the rest of the story that makes that story so wonderfully powerfully complete and so he said hold on folks this is the rest of the story as it turned out it was the best thing that could have happened to me to you because instead of trusting in our own strength or in our own wits to get out of it we were forced to trust God totally that's not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead Amen. I mean, if life is going to kill you, that's who you want on your side. But the truth is, life ain't going to kill you. And even if you die, you're going to live again. Mm. And he did it. He did it. Everybody say, he did it. He did it. He did it. He did it. He rescued us from certain doom. And he'll do it again. And again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Rescuing us 
as many times as we need rescuing. Woo! Hallelujah! Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for that promise tonight. Because that's what you need to know when life's killing you. Amen. It's okay to die. Just die to yourself. When you die to yourself, you're going to be awakened to Him. You're going to realize that He's always been there. He is here. And He will be there wherever that future goes. Amen. Let's stand together.